Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms held wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Hey, good morning again. I am Carmen LeBurge. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this 7th of July. If you missed the first hour, you can catch it anytime, myfaithradio.com or on the Faith Radio app, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, So thank you for being here and for sharing the show with others. We really appreciate that. A quick international headline roundup this morning. Um, the the heads of the FBI and Britain's domestic security uh, service, which is called MI5, um, they actually got together yesterday and issued a sharply worded warning to business leaders about the threats posed by um, Chinese espionage. So the Chinese, I mean, not a surprise to anybody, are... Um, you know, not busy creating themselves. They're just busy stealing other people's ideas and then capitalizing on those. Um, And so spying aimed at stealing Western technology companies' intellectual property is topping the list of concerns for both the FBI and MI5. And it's pretty rare for them to make a joint appearance, but that's what happened yesterday at the headquarters of MI5. And so um, I just thought I would bring you that. The Chinese, here's the quote, um, from Christopher Ray and Ken McCollum, uh, who Christopher Ray is the director of the FBI and Ken McCollum is the director general of MI5. Um, here's their joint uh, part of their joint statement. The Chinese government is set on stealing your technology, whatever it is that makes your industry tick uh, and using it to undercut your business and dominate your market. Um, they said they are set on using every tool at their disposal Um, to accomplish this. And so, you know, China uses state-sponsored hacking on a massive scale. And and apparently both the FBI and MI5 just absolutely recognize this is a a current and present threat to, um, to companies across the board, but particularly technology companies. So then I have this, uh, what I will call a public service announcement. Delete TikTok. That is the sum, summary of my, uh, uh, of my PSA this morning. Yesterday, my, my uh, public service announcement related to social media was, um, was about uh, Snapchat. Um, because Snapchat now makes uh, public the, uh, the very specific location of where a video is um, recorded and uploaded. Um, I mean, right down to the street address um, and and travel directions to the location. So uh, we talked about that yesterday. Today, my PSA, public service announcement, is just simply this. Delete TikTok. I mean, if you want more, go to Axios.com um, and read uh, the congressional warnings related to TikTok and China. All of the data that is being collected while you are on TikTok 
um, is being made public um, and being used by the Chinese government. So delete TikTok. It's just that simple. There you go. That's my PSA. Um, And an update on the unfolding story uh, today in the U.K., Um, It's now anticipated that the Prime Minister Boris Johnson will resign later today. Um, More than 50 of um, of the members of his government have um, have resigned in protest in recent days and weeks. Most recently, eight ministers, including two of his secretaries of state, um, have resigned. Um, And so it, it would now seem that the Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, would resign today as well. So you could be expecting to hear that. Um, All right. So Peter Kapsner is up next. And we're going to talk about marriage and divorce. We're going to talk about what makes for a good and godly marriage. And we're going to talk about um, um, what really creates risk for divorce in, um, in marriages today. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Peter Kapsner is back. Hello, my friend. Hey, Carmen. Welcome back into the studios yourself. Thank you so much. Okay. Make the case for marriage and then give us some help to avoid divorce. So what makes for a good and godly marriage? And then what are some of the um, some of the things that researchers are telling us um, in, in, in terms of uh, sort of the things that... Tri- I don't I don't want to just say trip people up, but over time cause people's marriages to erode. Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing that a couple can do and you can actually do this after you've gotten married is um, that you you recognize that you're committing yourself to a larger story than yourself. And, And the reason why I say that, Carmen, is because living in an individualistic country like we do in the United States of America, where it's sort of incumbent upon us to pursue our own happiness and kind of determine the life we want to create the best we can for that happiness. We we put marriage in sort of a similar bucket list category as we might, I want to get that job or I want to travel or I want to have a dog or something like that. And, and clearly people treat marriage more significantly uh, than that. But it's still kind of part of this individualized bucket list where I'm going to put the word happiness on top of my list, and then I'm going to kind of have that that set of criteria. And the, I think the problem with that is that then you're looking at for a partner who's going to fulfill your criteria for happiness. Well, if the other partner is doing the same thing, you're already going to be setting up your relationship for sort of this mutual tension of of the question underpinning your relationship: Are you making me happy? And and as soon as that's the question that underpins the relationship, oh boy, it, you can get into such trouble with that so quickly because we all know what it's like to live with another person, whether a roommate at university or a roommate um, because you just economically need to as you're getting yourself on your feet or uh, the roommate that is your spouse. Uh, if it's about making you happy, you're going to run into a lot of, of issues. And so I think that the first point, and then I think we can cover maybe some of the things that trip us up besides that, is um, that marriage, biblically speaking, is meant to not be of what makes me happy, 
it is about tending to God's future together. You you are part of a bigger story, and and of course, uh, a big piece of that future is having future image bearers. This is uh, part of what happens in the biblical text: is that the male and the female are seen as the God-created guardians of future image bearers, bringing life into this world. It doesn't have to be the case. You don't have a successful marriage or life if you don't have kids, uh, or if you do or don't have kids. But but very often that's the the place for that. But they're also <clears throat> God put His image on uh, on earth and male and female to tend to the world together. And and men and women are supposed to be doing that side by side in every walk of life. Uh, to some extent, you and I do that on, on Morning Show when we're working together like this. Um, I love to teach with other women because there's that sense of, of an image bearer that's not me standing next to me as we teach side by side. And then men and women in marriage form that that beautiful image bearing <clears throat> as part of God's world. So I say all of that, and this is where I can wrap this part up, is that when you are saying your vows to somebody that I will never leave you nor forsake you in front of God and other people, Actually, what you're saying is you are saying yes to God's um, invitation on your life to steward his kingdom with this person side by side for a lifetime. And so um, to to break up from that means that you're breaking a vow that you made in front of God related to what he had called you to do. Instead of breaking a vow because this person no longer makes you happy— You have to shift your eyes and see that the God of heaven is inviting you into something different. And that brings a sacredness to your relationship. And truthfully, Carmen, I I counsel young people all the time to to enter into marriage that way. But people who have been married for individualistic reasons, maybe five years in, 10, 15, 20 people listening right now, can actually re-sanctify their relationship by saying, huh, I wonder what God has for us in the future. And it holds you together in a different kind of way. That is so helpful. Um, Jim and I have uh, had a marriage mission since the day we met. I, I think that having uh, understanding what the mission, God's mission is for your marriage, keeps you focused on that larger thing and that eternal reality. We have uh, a phrase we say to each other, um, you know, when we catch each other at each other's eye at certain points in time, and that's just, you know, all the way home to the Father's house, mm. all the way home, all the I way home. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the only conversation we're ever having. Is, is the conversation about all the way home. He's my brother in Christ for mm. all eternity, way before he's my husband, you know, for a, a period of time on the earth. So I think that um, that you're, you're focusing us on God, um, on the created order, on the giving of the man and woman to one another, um, the the completion that happens in that, the calling of husband and wife, the the calling to um, be fruitful and multiply, you know, and raise children. Um, and I just on and on and on. If we would see ourselves in that larger calling and it's eternal, then the temporal questions of um, that people are asking and tempted to ask um go away. And that's just Mm. super helpful. Hey, we got to take a very brief break. We're talking with Dr. Peter Kapsner. We're talking about marriage. Um, We're talking about, uh, you know, around the topic of divorce in the culture, but we want to stay focused on marriage. We want to talk about um, the sanctity of it. We want to talk about you um, protecting the sanctity of your own marriage. How do we hold marriage in honor among us all when it's held in disregard 
uh, by so many in the culture today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Love and marriage, love and marriage. Go together like a horse and carriage. Talking with Dr. Peter Kapsner again this morning. Um, and we're talking about marriage and we're talking about the sanctity of marriage and how to uh, how how marriage could be held in honor among us all. I mean, those are some those are some scriptural notes, Peter. Um, when you think about the way marriage is regarded in the culture today or, uh, you know, in movies, um, in in comedy, I mean, I get I am really troubled by. Even pastors make fun of or mm. jest and joke about marriage, and I just don't think we should be joking about it. I, I think it's serious business. Gosh, I think you're really right about that, Carmen. I hadn't really put it that or thought that way that you just put it, but um, th- this when, when I've officiated marriages and I've probably done a dozen or more over the years, I don't do an often, but there really is um, a very, what I would describe as a thin veil that happens when the husband and the wife or, or soon to be husband and wife are saying these vows across the aisle from one another, because to speak and to say a vow, at least in biblical Judeo-Christian thought is to create something that then didn't exist prior to that. And God empowers us to do that. I mean, God spoke creation into being. And when we speak, uh, our tongue has the capacity to bless and to curse and to create new reality. And, and you can feel um, God winding two people together as they make these sacred vows between them. I don't know that we have the opportunity to observe something more sacred than these vows um, between husband and wife. Because, again, in theory, back to what we were saying before the break, is that this is meant to be um, a, a sacred yes, not just to one another, but to God. And uh, and when you do that, you're trusting God for your future together. You're not trusting the quality of the other person's personality or, or talent or capacities for your future. You're trusting God together side by side, you jump into that unknown future with God. And that is really sacred to, to say yes to that. And that's very different than how we sort of laugh about it and we reduce marriage down to whether or not you're um, personality compatible. I know I've told this story before, but when Hallie and I did our personality profiles, we couldn't have been less compatible uh, according to the fancy people in Columbia or whatever institution had formed this personality test. But our pastor knew and could see that God had an invitation on our lives. And and sure, all those communication patterns that showed up in, in the compatibility test have, have showed up in our marriage, but we've been committed to a bigger story and you work through those things together. These are some of the things that I think are really important um, when you treat it so sacred. So maybe last comment on that. I always tell young people, um, as you are in the heat of your relationship uh, for the years ahead, never, ever mess with the vows. Like, don't even don't even implicitly say something about like, oh, I just don't know that this is worth it anymore. I mean, don't ever go anywhere near that place. Let those be sacred um, because your goal is to move back towards each other always at a my, my mentor, she was about, oh, I don't know, 75 years old. I want to say when Hallie and I got married, she was all of about three feet tall. And uh, and she just stood outside a door one day and said, you will never, ever, 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 ever get divorced. And and I know I've told that story before, but her words still ring in my life that I we were fortunate to to say yes to each other um, as part of what felt sacred. Um, and that doesn't mean marriage has been easy over our 28 ish years together. We would both say it, but I think no, we're both I mean, still yeah. really glad we're together. Right. Right. I was going to make a joke. 
about, well, of course it hasn't been easy because she's married to you. But see, then that, <laughs> but then that plays into my don't joke about it. Like, right. Well, I don't like when I think, I know, safety, I know it's like, hard. When we right? know, it's, yeah. But yeah. when we know, I mean, Hallie and I aren't going anywhere from one another. So when you know that, exactly. then you can have some fun with it. Right. You know, then you can put yeah. fun at all of the wonderful. Yeah. It's just that when we do it in front of, right. When we do yeah. that in front of others, we have to, I think we have to preface it by saying, you know, this is this is rock solid. This is um, yep. this is two people equally yoked, yoked together um, in a fully committed uh, relationship, recognizing that they are brother and sister in Christ first, headed all the way home to the father's house together, side by side, um, you know, working together, not only um, that each of them would grow up more and more into Christ who is the head, but mutually encouraging one another along the way and shouldering the burden um, of life together. Like, right. I mean, that's, that's yep, the, totally. we, we, we say all of that. And then we say, well, of course marriage has been hard because she's married to you. Like, right. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's in, it's only in that, uh, only with all of that preface, can we, can we ever say something in jest? Because I do think there's so much confusion in the culture about marriage um, and divorce has become um, so widely accepted that um, that it's almost like, you know, oh, yeah, I mean, if you're unhappy or if he's not satisfying, you know, every one of your waking needs and desires um, or on and on and on. Right. Or mm-hmm. the person becomes unfit or unfirm or infirm or um, I mean, the list is is extraordinary for why people walk away from yep. marriages and and I think that when we are walking with young people and older people into marriage we need to be having those conversations and so I appreciate that um but then we also need to be the people who put up the roadblock really fast when any conversation starts um uh, you know threats about leaving um you know I mean our our kids know you 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 made these commitments we stood there we um, we witnessed those vows that you took before God. So you try to come back and sleep at our house? Uh-uh. No, that's not <laughs> happening. We're going to drive right back over there, and we're going to help you work it out, whatever it is, in real time with the one to whom you left us and have cleaved to that other. So part of it is just a responsibility for each and every one of us who have ever been witness to the vows that have been taken. So this is sort of like, careful. Uh, be careful who you invite to your wedding. Because let me tell you, if if I have witnessed you take those vows before God, I'm I'm going to stand up for the fact that I was a witness to those vows. Mm. And that's the church being the church. I mean, that's do how not casually do not casually invite Carmen to your wedding. That is what that was about. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't know each other 28 years yeah. ago, Carmen. <laughs> she is she is not just coming with a gift. She is coming no, with accountability. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, um, it's just one more. Quick I point wanted to on talk about too. crystals, but we've run out of time. I, mm, I don't even. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That's a, such a bummer. Yeah, I know because I listed uh, so long. I could use some healing crystals right now, but I don't think they're as effective as people want them to be. So uh, maybe what I'll do in the week ahead, Carmen, between now and next Thursday, is I will gather up a series of crystals and I'll do a test run, and we'll just and I'll I have report a whole in. list. Okay, okay, within five miles of where you live, because I yeah. did this little research. Okay, Enchanted Rock Garden, Awakenings, <laughs> gifts for the. <laughs> Shop, Bella Luna Boutique, and the Energy Tap. This is all in five I, miles of your house. This is amazing. I, I have my work cut out for me today. I'm like, this Thursday is going to be brilliant. I'm going to be going from place to place. We'll check it out. <laughs> it's just like research. It's research because we just really want to know what's going on with the crystal industry 
Yeah. All right. You are Indeed. you are precious. We love you. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Peter Kapsner. You can find him at the University of Northwestern St. Paul or or doing some research for next week's show, wandering <laughs> around town. Yeah. That's up yeah, that's what's happening. Hey, thank you, brother. Yeah, talk to you soon. <laughs> right. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. One of the things Kathy Branzell said earlier um, is that every fruit has a root. Every fruit actually also has a seed and every fruit has a soil. Um, so I want you to just contemplate for a moment what you're sowing out there in the world that God so loves uh, in the patch of the earth where God has set you as a steward during this generation. What are you cultivating What are you tilling into the soil of the days in which we live together? Are we planting seeds of peace? Are we planting the word of God in the conversations of the day? What fruits do we expect to produce if we are not sowing um, the the righteousness of, uh, uh, of the Lord into the soil of the conversations of our day, into our relationships? So if we look around the world and you don't like the fruit you see, no, I don't like the fruit of bitterness I see. I don't like the fruit of anger that I see. I don't like the um, the fruit of of unlove and discord and rebellion. I don't like those fruits. Well, then as a cultural cultivator of the day, as a, a person whom God has intentionally and purposefully set at this point in history, in this cultural moment, then you and I got to get out there and do the hard work, the hard, sweaty work of tilling the soil and moving the rocks and planting the seed and cultivating the mind of Christ, not only in our own hearts and minds, but in the world that God so loves. So that leads us to a conversation with Mike Novaltny. His new book is What's Big Starts Small. What's Big Starts Small, Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When you look around uh, at the culture and you see the fruit and you look at the fruit in your own life and you say to yourself, I don't I don't like this. I would like to see a different fruit cultivated. Uh, I would like to see um, fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, um, faithfulness and self-control. And those are not the fruits that I see being produced in ever greater measure. Well, we got to get cultivating. We got to be culture gardeners. Um, we're going to talk today with Pastor Mike Novotny about that. Mike is a pastor and author, the lead speaker for the Time of Grace National Television Ministry, and he's here today with a brand new book, What's Big Starts Small, Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. Mike, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen, thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, so tell us the story of the parable of the sower. Uh, yeah, so the 30 parables of Jesus show up in the Bible. This one gets the most space in the Scripture. So 
almost like the Bible saying, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. And what Jesus does in this story is so profound. I don't know how I missed this for like 40, 40 years as a Christian. Um, but Jesus had this beautiful way of saying, you know, God's word works in powerful ways. But please, please, please don't forget that God's word is like a seed. You know, a seed is something so, so small that can grow so, so big, you know, exponentially bigger than you'd even think. But <laughs> a seed can also get snatched up by a bird or withered by a hot summer, or choked out by too many weeds that are growing in the garden. And so I love this story that Jesus told, is essentially, hey, believe in the power of God's Word, stay connected to the Bible, listen to Christian radio, go to church and hear the message, and don't forget to protect that message so it can actually grow in to the thing you want, and you can become the kind of person that God wants. So let's talk about um, the ways that happens, because that's really what you're uh, you're unpacking um, in the book. Yeah. You're going to help us overcome these obstacles that hinder great faith from growing. So what are the obstacles? Where do you see them in the parable of the sower? Um, let's just walk through that. Yeah, if you study all three versions where it shows up in the Bible, I counted six real threats to great faith. Um, there's one in particular I'd love to talk about. It feels super relevant to me, but um, big picture, the six are pride, pain, worries, wealth, wanting, and not waiting. So pride, I, I don't want to hear this. Pain, ooh, this is this is too hard to follow. Worries, I'm, I'm just so busy because I'm worried about disappointing people. Wealth, I'm, I'm chasing money, so I'm just kind of squeezing in God on the side. Wanting, there's just all these other things in my life that are making things cluttered. And not waiting, you know, a seed doesn't produce fruit in a day. And so sometimes we're all doing the right things. It's just going to take time to grow into maturity. So those are the six threats that I see in Jesus' story to great faith. And before we, you know, talk about maybe corresponding strategies to overcome them, let's focus on the one that has your, uh, is holding your attention right now. Yeah. So I actually have in front of me here um, in Wisconsin, a little packet of tomato seeds, Mm -hmm. big, beautiful, ripe tomatoes on the front cover. And on the back of the package, you know, there's the directions from the experts who know how to garden. And Carmen, did you know basically half the directions that the experts give you on how to grow a tomato are about space? Well, like, and and maybe what you plant it next to. Um, yeah, I don't know. know. I don't know. Do they just, say that? I would. Um, I would think. I'm. I'm thinking about the tomatoes that we have planted right now, yeah. and I am thinking that over the course of time, um, we have learned to not only plant them further and further away from each other, but further and further away from everything else. Yeah, ex exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, so, hey, if, if you really want this tomato, you're going to have to give this space because there's only so much soil, there's only so much moisture, there's only so much sun. So, yeah, obviously we get that in a garden. But do we get that about life? Um, you know, if, if you want to put this scripture into practice, if you want some space to meditate on your forgiveness or you want to be a great neighbor or a great spouse, you can't just squeeze a little church in on Sunday and then go zipping back to life. Um, wow, you're, you're going to be too cluttered, Jesus said, and your faith might not die, but it's not going to become fruitful and grow to maturity. And so he says, you know, you have to be really careful to kind of thin out your life to prioritize the things that matter most. And so <laughs> maybe the most depressing and important part of the book that I wrote is just an, an honest look at the way we approach screens and sports and news and apps 
And all these things that might not be bad, you know, there might not be a command to like not do them. We just need to be really honest that if I try to do all of them, ooh, I'm trying to squeeze this seed of God's word into cluttered soil, and it's probably not going to produce the thing that I want it to in the end. Mm. Am I trying to squeeze the seed of God's word into the soil because I'm I'm just overwhelmed with so many other things, screens, mm. sports, apps, I'd add games to that. Um, yes. (laughs) Right. Social media, just these time sucks. Right. I mean, that's it's extraordinary. All right. Um, this is Mike Novaltney. Um, you can find him and great resources that we're going to talk about in just a minute at timeofgrace.org, timeofgrace.org. He's here today, uh, talking with us about his new book, What's Big? Start Small. Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. Um, When you think about uh, identifying some of the challenges, um, some of the threats, pride, pain, worries, wealth, wanting, not waiting, um, you know, if we just even just focus on this one, um, this need to then thin out my -hmm. life to make room for the seed so that it will have space to grow. what are some other strategies maybe for some of the others? Is there, are there things that you've already gotten feedback on that people have just been like jaw drop, like, okay, that right there has helped so much. Sure. I have a friend named Diana. Uh, she's a life coach. And she said the section on sports, she was just going to open up to the page and leave it face down on the nightstand for her husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you know what happened? And this has happened to me too, that y- y- you don't, just like weeds grow naturally in a garden without you trying, you kind of end mm-hmm. up busier with things without really intending to. I'm not sure if that's happened to you, but I sometimes think like, wow, how did I get, why did I say yes to all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Where, <laughs> how did I create this? And it's, we don't intend to, it just happens. And I think maybe that's why Jesus calls these cluttering things like thorns. You know, you don't plant thorn seeds in your garden. They just show up and then it's really painful to get them out. And so, you know, what I try to do, and it's, I'm not going to promise a reader that it's going to be easy, but I just want people to be honest about how much time we're investing in various things. And so there's exercises in the book, like <laughs> there's this website you can go to, type in your favorite show, and it will tell you how many minutes and hours and maybe even days you've spent binging this entire series. Mm. <laughs> so I didn't really like that website, but it was it was pretty good for my soul. So I think that's a good place to start. Uh, the book isn't hating on sports or or games or hobbies or activities or social media. It, it's just really good for us to know, okay, if I want God to be a priority in my life, do I have some objective data that proves to me that it is? And so let me slow down my craziness. Let me try to crunch the numbers, look at my screen time, you know, figure out how many hours of shows I'm watching, uh, how long I'm scrolling. And then, oh, that might be a good explanation for why either I am growing in faith or I kind of feel stuck and stunted in my faith. That's so good. Um, We're talking with Pastor Mike Novaltny. We're talking about his new book, What's Big Starts Small, Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Dream small. Don't buy the lie. You've got to do it just let Jesus use you where you are. 
One day at a time. Talking with Pastor Mike Novotny this morning. You can find him at timeofgrace.org. Talking about his book, What's Big Start Small? Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. Um, it's a it's a it's a good, timely, and helpful uh, exposition of the parable of the sower, um, and this examination of the six ways that um, we can grow great faith by overcoming the obstacles that often hinder great faith from growing. Um, so, um, Mike, we have listener Tim, who I think is listening in Lincoln, Nebraska, based on his area code in the in the text line this morning, and he just wants to offer this reminder: the key to seed growth and fruits with transforming impacts is H-U-M-U-S, humus, which, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm a terrible um, <laughs> pronunciator sometimes. So hummus, it's not hummus. So I'm going to say humus, which means deep, rich soil. Humus mm. is also, uh, also means of the earth. It is the root of the word humility. Our hearts, mm. which receive the word or the seed of God must be humble before him, realizing everything is a gift of God. Uh, so mm. thanks, Tim, for that contribution to the conversation this morning. Love that. I love that. Um, Mike, I wanted to um, share with, uh, with our listeners what you're doing uh, now at timeofgrace.org, um, because just yesterday I read the latest Gallup polling that says uh, we are at a record low in terms of Americans who acknowledge that the Bible is the literal word of God. So we're down to 20 percent of Americans who actually turn to the Bible um, as if it is the word of the God, which means 80 percent of our neighbors are not turning to it in that way. You um, preach from the Bible week in and week out. You teach from the Bible. So I thought I would let you this morning make your appeal for the Bible, um, and, and because you're addressing it right now in your Skeptical Faith series um, at timeofgrace.org. So I thought it would be timely to ask. Yeah, it's, you know, that's such a tricky thing, huh? I'm, as a guy who was raised in the church, I'm just used to having my default setting be, well, the Bible says, <laughs> you know, what should I think about A or B or C? Well, you know, Ephesians says or Genesis says, but you're right, just an increasing number of people that that's not satisfying to them because it's not their source of authority. Um, you know, it's tricky. How do you overcome unbelief? Um, how many minutes do we have, Carmen? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the coolest things that we can do is equally challenging people with the authority of the Bible as well as the safety that the Bible offers. Mm. So Jesus's favorite way to talk about Christianity, you know, that the phrase Christian didn't come along until the book of Acts, I believe. His way of talking about the faith that he was teaching and promoting was the kingdom of God. And, you know, I think of an ancient kingdom. It was pretty, pretty brutal to live in the ancient world. Um, you know, if an enemy got a hold of you, you're in deep trouble. And so a kingdom would actually have these strong walls and guards and a standing army to protect you. So go inside the walls. Oh, you are saved from a great danger. But when you enter into a kingdom— it's not exactly like the king takes off his crown and says, here, you make the rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I always think of Christianity or the kingdom of God as safety and authority. Here, Jesus is offering you safety, but Jesus is still going to be Lord and have the authority. So uh, often when I'm preaching, I you know, just try to put out there, here's what Jesus is offering you for ap- by grace, absolutely for free. Safety from your sins, safety from the fear of death 
safety from shame, safety from being alone, safety from not having purpose in your life. You know, I, I want people leaning in to say, wow, I, no one else in the world offers me that who, who loves me unconditionally and just like remembers my sins no more. So I'm trying to grab people's hearts with the power of the gospel and then remind them, yes, and this God who's offering you safety is a good king, and he's going to make the rules that are good for your future. So, man, if the Bible says faith comes from hearing the message, share the message. Let the Holy Spirit into the conversation. I'm not going to reason someone into believing in the Bible's authority, but man, once I preach that message, the Holy Spirit can do things that I can't. That's so good, Mike. And um, you have me thinking there, you know, it's one thing to want to receive all that Jesus offers, um, which you have characterized there as safety. It's another thing for me to um, acknowledge his authority. Mm. And it it isn't that I'm giving Jesus authority. Jesus Mm. already possesses all authority in heaven and on earth. So it's not like I'm uh, uh, giving him authority. I am agreeing to the reality of his authority. Yes. Um, so the safety that I enjoy, um, safety from, safety in, is is comes with this agreement to uh, submit to the authority that he already possesses. Mm. Uh, yes. All authority in heaven and on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when we hear these stats that you're referencing, we think. Every person in that 80% camp has just been raised with a clear understanding of Jesus, and now they're rejecting it and throwing the Bible out. What I'm finding in my community is that there's more and more people who've who've never really heard it and never really understood what it is. You know, their cultural understanding of Christianity is a bunch of rules, and the people who go to church keep them, or they really don't because they're hip. <laughs> so, you know, when, when we get guests to come to the church who might not believe in the Bible's authority, they're, they're listening with open ears often because they— They've never heard it before. And so I don't want to take it as a Christian. I don't want to take a defensive or antagonistic approach like, oh, the culture, the culture, the culture. I see people as having been taken captive by ignorance and the systems of this world. And man, what what could happen in their life and in their heart if they actually heard a clear exposition and teaching of the kingdom of God? Man, I've, I've seen people change in countless ways. Not everyone, but enough people to give me a lot of hope for the future. I love that. All right. Our friend Tim is back on the text line reminding me that I met him in Hartford, Connecticut, um, and that he is an expert in orange flesh sweet potatoes and soil testing. So there you go. I know. That explains we have the so greatest, much. Right? The greatest, the greatest uh, community of listeners in the whole world. So um, thank you. Um, uh, Pastor Mike, when you, uh, when you think about the challenges that people um, with whom you engage day in and day out. You think about the challenges that we're facing as a people in the culture today. Just maybe um, a minute or two, just a word of encouragement um, as we go forth into this day as people who do want to authentically represent Christ to the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think I see a lot of Christians kind of unintentionally sliding into a posture of fear, Maybe because the priority of our time is spent with, like, the news that is always full of the the carnage and fear of the world. So I would encourage people, as much as we can, put some space in your schedule, ideally at the start of the day, to just meditate on the goodness and the authority of our King. 
So Ephesians chapter 1 says that all things are underneath the feet of Jesus, the risen and ascended King of heaven. All things. So the Supreme Court, former President Trump, (laughs) President Biden, Ukraine and Russia, cancer, mental health issues, inability to sleep, struggle, all, all things are underneath the loving feet of Jesus that were pierced for the forgiveness of our sins. So Christianity has resources to to like smack fear in the face and tell anxiety to, to sit down and be quiet. He's such a good king. He knows us by name, and we do not need to be afraid of a single headline that shows up in the news today because our king is the king of kings and lord of lords, and you do not need to be afraid. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, that is Pastor Mike Navaltney. You can check in with him at timeofgrace.org. The book we were talking about a little bit earlier, What's Big Starts Small, Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, I think we'll just read these verses from Ephesians chapter 1 as we part company today and go forth as Christ's ambassadors into the world that he so loves. So this is uh, beginning at verse 3 in Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also who heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Indeed, to the praise of his glory and for his grace, we go forth this day. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.